This is the Restoring Eve podcast with Rachel Nichols. I am a woman's hormone specialist, business mentor, trauma-informed hypnotherapist, and transformational coach. I support women in the holistic restoration and embodiment of their feminine design, mind, body, and soul. This podcast is a portal to support you in the reclamation of the juicy life of overflow that you were created for. We will be diving deep into wellness, embodiment, femininity, soul-led business, and so much more. Let's begin. Okay, I'm so excited to be chatting with you. For those of you that don't know, Courtney is my best friend. We met, oh my gosh, Courtney, how long ago? Like seven years ago? Yeah, quite a while ago (laughs) in Chicago. (laughs) Yeah, when we were both living in Chicago. And the funny thing is we met at like a podcast, like in a podcast community, like meetup sort of thing, which is such a full circle moment now to be on a podcast together when neither of us had really our own businesses started yet at that time. So, so special to be chatting on the podcast. I can't even believe it. Um, so Courtney, for people who don't know you and don't know anything about you, I'd love for you just to introduce yourself. Tell us what you do, who you are, all the things. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to be here. It truly is a full circle moment and we just love podcasts. So it's just really exciting to be here, but Yeah, so I have been an occupational therapist and yoga instructor for several years. And throughout the years, I've really just noticed in my patients and, um, you know, throughout my experience that our emotional state is connected to what we experience in our bodies. So what we experience in life, whether it's trauma or guilt, shame, anxiety, depression, it's all expressed and held in our bodies. So if we don't feel our emotions, they can tend to get kind of stuck and stagnant in our body. So in a sense, I work with women on restoring their nervous systems, finding safety, groundedness, calmness within, and just ultimately improving their relationship to themselves and as well as their significant others, their kids, their families. And yeah, it's it's truly such a treat because I love guiding women back home to their bodies. Yeah. I love that so much. I know that's something you talk about on your Instagram a lot is this concept of like coming home to your body. So that's Mm. actually one of my questions. I'd love to know how would you define that, whether that's like in sensation or how could you describe coming home to your body? Yeah. So when you come home to your body and when you kind of just take a moment and you can even just take a moment if you're listening to this podcast to just kind of just notice your current state of being. And when you're home to your body, you feel relaxed. You feel a sense of calm. You feel ease in your life. And you feel this connection to the world even. You feel like you're purposeful. You feel um, an ease with the ups and downs of life. So you're not going to feel this way all of the time, but just knowing that when you feel triggered or when there's ups and downs in life that you can find your center and that you can come back to your body and feel okay enough. So you have that awareness where there's like a change in how you feel a change in your body. And you just take that moment to choose to come back to yourself, to be with those intense feelings and find a feeling of just feeling okay, and then eventually feeling good. So 
it's a practice, but it really is just like coming back to the sense of who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the regulation tools as well is what's coming up for me as far as like everyone, like we are always going to be triggered by things in life. And that's just part of being a human on this planet. And I don't know. I know we've talked about this as like, it's just unrealistic to think we're never going to be triggered, but knowing how to come back to center almost faster. And then also knowing in those moments where we feel so like primally like triggered, knowing that we're okay. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And just being a little bit of almost a a detective of Mm -hmm. what your inner state of being is like. So when you get triggered instead of like maybe getting upset at that person or you know getting upset at the event that's happening in your life you kind of choose to put that mirror back on yourself and look at okay this changed my state of being and I can just choose to be with this experience breathe with it and then come back to those feelings of okay I'm I'm okay and everything will be okay yeah I love that I already feel more calm listening to you say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad. (laughs) Yeah. So today I wanted to talk about something a little bit more specific so we can dive into some juice as far as some, like a topic that I feel like so many listeners can relate to in their own relationships in particular, because as girlies, we care about relationships so much. They are like the lifeblood of our existence. So what I want to talk about is anxious attachment style today, because I know that that's something you work with a lot of clients on and something that we've talked about so much in our friendship and like, oh my gosh, so many stories to prove that it's just a very common experience, especially I would say, especially as a woman, I don't know if that's fair to say, but I really do feel like a lot of women do struggle with anxious attachment style. Um, I also feel like attachment style is like something that we kind of throw around now in like the coaching wellness space. So definitely want to take some time to make sure that we're really defining it because even myself, as we've talked about, I feel like confused sometimes about like, oh my gosh, like, am I anxious attachment or am I just like having an anxious moment in response to someone who's maybe being avoidant or like a situation that perhaps anyone would be anxious in? So I think to start out, how would you define really like our attachment styles? What are the attachment styles? And then getting more specific, what's the anxious attachment style? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So the anxious, so there's four styles of attachment and within attachment theory. So there's the anxious style, which tends to be a hyper-focused or even an obsession with the other person that you're dating, or often this will come up when you first start a relationship. Mm -hmm. And when an anxious style attachment, you place a huge emphasis on the other person meeting your emotional and physical needs and it's almost like you're obsessed with that person and whether or not they might leave you abandon you cheat on you lose interest in you and they just don't care about you so we'll talk about more of that here in a second but there's also avoidant attachment style and that is someone who identifies with kind of pushing things away. So if they get triggered in a relationship, they might just shove things under the rug. They might shut down. They might, um, especially in the beginning stages of dating, they might like not call you for a few days at a time, not update you on what is going on in their lives. Um, And they kind of just take more of an avoidance in Mm -hmm. the dating and with their emotions and how they approach 
dating, especially in the early stages. Mm -hmm. And then there's also disorganized attachment. And that can be a combination of both avoidant and anxious as well. Mm-hmm. And then, like, um, oh, go sorry, ahead. like swinging back and forth, sort of. Yes, exactly. Okay. So a little bit of anxious, avoidant, they identify with a combination. So this is a little bit more of a rare attachment yeah. style that we see. Um, and then a secure attachment is, you know, is, is kind of what we all desire to be where you have, you feel secure with yourself. And so you don't really need that other person to validate you or, you know, and you can also at the same time, open yourself up to emotions, being emotionally stable for somebody else Mm -hmm. to, you know, take into account the emotions of somebody else just as your own. So, um, you know, and we'll talk about this here in a little bit, but also just because if you're, if you identify with anxious attachment and you date somebody who is more of a secure attachment, like you still will need to do some work on your anxious style attachment. Like some things will still come up for you. So, mm-hmm. um, totally. So I, oh, oh yeah. sorry. <laughs> Um, I was going to ask, I'm curious, just listening to you kind of talk about the different attachment styles. Do you know how the different attachment styles impact your capacity to hold space for other people's emotions as well? And is that a part of attachment? Yes, absolutely. So this all starts back in childhood, infancy. And so you kind of have to go way back. And so when you were an infant, your attachment is based on your relationship with your caregiver. So your mother, your father, whether or not they were present or were not present in your life, um, whoever was most there for you. So your caregivers, if they were not able to consistently meet the physical and emotional needs of you as an infant, so taking care of you when you were hungry consistently being there for you, you know, when you're crying, um, taking care of maybe physical pain that you have, if that did not happen very consistently, that's when you develop a lack of trust in others, because you don't totally think that somebody will be there for you. If your caregivers weren't there when you were, you know, ages zero to, you know, just a few years old, one, two, and then it goes on until, you know, about seven years old. Mm -hmm. And yes, so if you identify as somebody that has an anxious or avoidant attachment style, um, if you're more anxious, sometimes that can lead to a more codependent relationship because you are so focused on the other person and you constantly need them there with you all the time to move through stress cycles. You want to really be around them 24 Mm seven, or if you're avoidant, you might just avoid tough conversations at all costs because they're uncomfortable for you. And it makes you shut down. Like your nervous system is like, I can't deal with this. So I'm just going to push you away. I'm going to distract by doing overworking or maybe planning like a bunch of trips with my friends so that I don't have to really deal with your emotions because it's making me want to shut down. Okay. That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like when you're in an anxious attachment style, it's like hypervigilance and like yes. a little bit of like codependency and like really like monitoring the other person's feelings like big time. And then with the avoidant, it's just like, oh, like that's too much for me. I'm just going to avoid it altogether. Yes. 
Yeah. Okay. Yes. I love that. I think that's important to talk about too. Cause I've read, I've read attached. I've like heard about anxious attachment styles and I'm so familiar with like almost the outward expression of it as far as like what it looks like in a relationship as far as being like very anxious or avoidant, but it's interesting thinking about how it impacts our ability to hold space for others as well. Or if like our partner is avoidant or anxious, like how it might impact him, um, in, in like responding as well. So it's good information to talk about. Um, but I know today we wanted to talk about more about the anxious attachment style in particular and a conversation that you and I literally had this week was I was talking to you about, I was like, you know, I can't, I can't figure out if I'm like anxious or avoidant. Like I have moments of life where I've certainly been anxious in a response to someone who's being avoidant or a situation that like anyone would respond in an anxious way. And I've also had situations where I have felt avoidant. But something that Courtney told me when we were talking on the phone is she was like, well, that doesn't mean that you are anxious attachment. Like you can have moments of being like anxiously attached without having that be like your constitution. So I'd love for you to chat a little bit more about that and how women who are listening could really start self-identifying with their attachment style rather than being like, oh no, I've just had moments of being in one or the other. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wish that I knew this when like five, six years ago, even, you know, it's, it would have been so helpful and validating because, oh my gosh, can I relate to being in relationships or just dating somebody and getting extremely anxious Mm -hmm. and then thinking, oh, we know it's just my anxious attachment style. Like this is okay. I'm just Mm -hmm. more an anxious attachment style person, which I am. However, if you are with somebody or interested in somebody who doesn't, you know, communicate with you for a day or so, you know, completely shuts down in difficult conversations, goes out and doesn't communicate with you, you know, when they return home, or even if, especially if you requested that, mm-hmm. um, that is so understandable to feel anxious with somebody who is just not showing up in the way in which you need. And you can take that as information of, okay, this is, this person is giving me information on how they might treat me. And yes, you can have conversations with people and explain to them, you know, your needs and how, you know, it it will help you. However, it is very understandable to have those anxious moments. And that doesn't always mean that you are just anxiously attached. Mm -hmm. Um, And the same thing for avoidant, but yeah, more specifically, I think as, you know, women, we really can we're very empathetic and we Mm -hmm. can get in these situations where we're like well I understand their side of things but at the end of the day they just might be behaving in a way that is of course going to make anybody feel anxious yeah and yeah oh yeah I think it's one of the hardest like is thinking about when you first start dating someone I feel like that's Mm -hmm. one of the times it's genuinely the hardest because And this isn't always the case, but I know this has been the case for us is when we first started dating our boyfriends, it was like when you haven't established a relationship yet where it's like a full like dynamic and you have like the vibes together and you kind of are assessing each other out. Like a lot of the times the guy is not going to be like a girl. Like he's not going to be like texting you every day and he's not going to be like wondering what you're doing. And it's not that he's not interested 
in you. It's just like, especially at the beginning of dating and what I've personally experienced in some relationships is it just takes a little while before, especially the guy gets into like a flow because that's just more feminine communication style. So it's very Mm -hmm. easy at the beginning to have like so much like anxiousness around like, is he interested? What is he thinking? Like, why aren't we talking? Because a lot of the time we're like almost expecting him to be like a woman (laughs) and like like your girlfriend who like calls you every day and like sends you voice notes and like wants to know everything that you're doing. Whereas like, that's just not how guys really operate most of the time. Um, so I feel like that's one of the hardest things is when you first start dating to not just slip into being like really anxious. But I know that's something that what I would encourage women listening who are in that position to do is really like, don't outsource, like insource, like hang out with your girlfriends, like hang out with your family members, continue doing hobbies that light you up because we don't want to outsource our self-worth from our relationships, especially when they're just beginning and that person doesn't even know you and you're not even like in the flow yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd love to hear like what you think about that. And like, I, I know that we've both been through that in our lives, like so many times. Yeah. Well, and when you are in a state of feeling anxious and when you're interested in somebody or you're first starting to date somebody, or I've even spoke with women who are married and feel this way, you know, um, it's a visceral experience. It is an intense, um, you know, overflow of emotion. Mm -hmm. It is uncomfortable. And we, you know, it's really tempting to just want to fix that, to just want it to go away. And so, The problem is, is that you think that that other person is going to just take it away. And actually the thing is, is that they might. So if you get that um, reinforcement that that person is mm-hmm. going to take away that uncomfortable feeling, then you'll just want to keep going to them to yeah. get that uncomfortable feeling taken away. And the biggest thing that you can do, the most important thing that you can do is like what you said, come back to yourself to validate yourself. And it can be very difficult, especially if it's something that we've dealt with throughout our lives. And Mm -hmm. I know that I've told you, we've had conversations about this before that, you know, when I first started dating my current boyfriend, who is a more secure attachment style, um, I still felt very anxious. And that is also very normal, especially Mm -hmm. because for me, I had years of this anxious attachment style. And again, like I said, it all starts from childhood. It's Mm -hmm. a very, you know, it's deeply ingrained in our nervous system and it takes time to choose to come back to yourself over and over again, instead of reaching out towards that person and outsourcing, having that person validate you. And it's up to us to heal this feeling in our body to come back to ourselves Mm-hmm. So that we can have a healthy kind of back and forth. And there is a healthy way to co-regulate with each other. But at first, we need to find that safety, find that peacefulness within ourselves first, coming mm-hmm. back to yourself, taking care of your physical and emotional needs and and feeling okay on your own. Mm-hmm. Totally. I especially love what you said about a secure partner, like is still going to trigger aspects of yourself if you are associated more with an anxious attachment style. And I'm curious within your own relationship, if you don't mind sharing, or if you have some tips, how do you, how are you able to reflect and see that 
you are having anxious tendencies and he's a secure partner, because I feel like a lot of women could very easily and yourself, honestly, could very easily be like, I'm secure and he's just avoidant. And I'm just responding because he's so avoidant. Like, how are you able to really like get grounded and like reflect and take self-responsibility? Yeah. So Okay. So when we first started dating, when we were in that, like interested in each other phase, he -hmm. was very communicative with me as far as, you know, telling me his plans, telling me about, you know, that he was interested in me, um, very much like including me in on the process as we were like, okay, well, clearly we're both interested in each other. So let's Mm -hmm. explore this. And I still noticed that amidst like those, updates and just overall feeling a sense of like okay he's going to be there for me I still felt this need of when we were not together so Mm -hmm. this is very common when you're not together like you immediately just want to be with that person because when you're not together your mind is filled with thoughts of they're going to abandon me Mm -hmm. they're going to lose interest in me he's just going to all of a sudden like the shoe's going to drop and he is going to just start being interested in somebody else Mm -hmm. Um, So it's that insecurity within and that feeling of, oh my goodness, like he's just going to leave. Mm -hmm. And that can be so many different things. Like, well, for me personally, I had experienced a major loss in my life. My father had passed away and I met him like Mm -hmm. just a few months later. And so it can be that as well as, you know, just growing up your physical and emotional needs were not tended to and so therefore you just don't feel worthy of having your needs be met and so you think oh my goodness this person is interested in me how could they be interested in me and I'm sure that they're going to just like one day wake up and realize that they don't want to be with me anymore and that is the thought loop that is so common in somebody who is anxiously attached Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I also love the encouragement for everyone listening to really have the self-awareness to become like, become aware of your thought patterns essentially. Cause that's really what you just described. And I think that we can all become more in touch really with the programming that's like running in the back of our mind of, okay, why am I feeling this way? Okay. Why would I be feeling this way? You know, when you're like, oh, like he gave me no reason to think this, but I thought this. And yeah. identifying, okay, this is because of my outside experiences, not because of their relationship. Mm, yeah, that's so beautiful. And let me tell you, for me, it took a while. Mm-hmm. It took a while. And I do also witness this in, you know, the women that I work with as well, where we get to have patience, grace, compassion for ourselves as we learn to operate in a new way. It does take time. And what you can do is just continue to choose yourself over and over and over again and there might be moments where you don't and you have a moment where you you know go to the other person and you're like I need that validation Mm -hmm. and that is okay but here's the other thing when you do end up feeling like this is a good relationship we want to move forward it is more than okay and I would say courageous to be open and honest with that person that you're dating with, hey, you know what, this is a little bit of information about me. I identify as somebody that gets a little bit anxious and a little bit insecure when I question the connection and our relationship. I get worried that maybe you're going to lose interest in me. And so, you know, I need a little bit of balance of maybe a little extra reassurance, maybe a little bit of 
extra checking in when you're out with your friends or on a guy's trip or when we're just not together. But, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, you need to check in with me every hour, but just a little bit more reassurance than usual. But also you can communicate. This is something I am working on. It is not your battle to fix, but I just want to let you know that about me. And I think that that, especially when it's with the, the person who is meant for you, that will be received very well. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. There's a part of communicating our needs within relationship, which is so important to relationships mm-hmm. in general, especially long-term relationships. And like you said, if it's the right person, it should feel safe. Like you should be able to express your needs to that person without feeling, you know, absurd or needy or like what you're asking is too much because most, yeah. most of the time, like the right person is going to want to know how to love you better. Yeah. And oh my gosh, I can remember back in the day when I like would tell somebody this that was not meant for me Mm. and it was not really received that well. And guess Mm. what? That was information for me where this is not the right person. But I remember being very nervous to tell previous people that. And, but then when you're with the right person, like it's, you might be a little nervous to open up in that way. However, it will be received very well. Mm. And yeah. And it will be supportive. I love that. So I think that that answers a little bit of my next question, but I want to kind of pick your brain on how we can step forward into healing, especially for women who are listening and are identifying with everything that you're saying with an anxious attachment style. And they're like, okay, so I was raised in a certain way that made me this way. I think that one of the things already that we've talked about is speaking your needs to your person. Um, and also I want to add to that being reasonable with your needs. <laughs> Cause I think mm-hmm. that like, we could go like way too hammer too, and be like, I need you to check in with me every hour. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? But just Absolutely. like being like, okay, what's it like, what am I actually needing? Because a lot of the times, at least in my own experience, it's very small. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I can think that I need this outrageous thing. And then when I receive that outrageous thing, I'm like, oh, I actually don't need that. That's too much. Um, So kind of start to self-identify with, okay, what are my needs? How can I have this met in my relationship in a reasonable way? So I think that's one of them, but I'd love to hear like other strategies to sort of like heal your anxious attachment. And is it possible to heal your anxious attachment also? Yes. So it is possible to heal. However, Typically, it's going to be something that you will have to draw awareness to and continue to be aware of throughout your life. Mm-hmm. And so I will say that, yes, you can heal it. And, but by that, it typically just means more awareness of it and how to continue to nurture it. Because anxious attachment can also show up in other aspects of life. It can show up in your business, your job, your kids. You know, there, it also is in more aspects than just your significant other. But When you are feeling anxious and in those moments, there's a complete disconnect from your body. Mm -hmm. So in these moments, you're typically in a thought spiral, a negative thought spiral, and you are typically just so disconnected from yourself. And like I said before, it's very uncomfortable. So I would say that the first step is awareness. So be very aware of what happens to you when you feel anxious. And when you feel this distress, where in your body does it show up? And then I want you to be with it to sit down, maybe even go for a walk. Sometimes in the anxiety moments, it can be nice to move a little bit. But 
notice where it comes up in your body. Is it coming up in your heart, your shoulders, your throat, you know, your legs? Like you can feel it really anywhere. Stomach is a big place that I see a lot. Mm -hmm. And I want you to just place your hands on those areas of your body and breathe with it. Connect back to your body. If you're not going to heal this by staying up in your mind and trying to intellectualize it and learn more about it. And that can only be so helpful, but you need to get back into your body to breathe with your body, to learn to soothe those experiences, those uncomfortable sensations often can be soothed by breathing and noticing where in your life did this first show up? What fears are starting to show up? You know, are you is this connected to something in your childhood where somebody wasn't consistently there for you and you're really just, that's what the anxiety is coming up for you? Are you afraid of losing this connection and just being with that for a little bit, being with it, allowing yourself to breathe with it. And then, you know, and this is when it can be really helpful to work with somebody, to work with somebody to help you regulate your nervous system and to be with those really intense sensations mm -hmm. and then you can start to allow that those feelings those intense feelings to dissipate a little bit and then you get a little bit more clear on what exactly it is that you want to communicate to your significant other and a lot of times I know we've talked about this a lot that typically when we go through maybe a cycle of feeling anxious it's really mm -hmm. interesting because when you get to the other side and you soothe yourself, you a lot of the times learn like, oh, actually, I don't really think something's a whole lot for me to talk about. With oh my gosh, person. yes. Like 90% of the time, literally, mm -hmm. I would say like 90% of the time, because that's just taking self-responsibility self for our triggers. And like we said, like everyone is going to be triggered. It's just mm -hmm. a part of being a human. So if we yeah. can actually, when that experience happens and Courtney, like how you're describing, not, I think there's two extremes. I think not repress and then not dump, not like emotionally dump, but instead we can learn to train our nervous systems to hold the sensation within our body. That's where we can really have that emotional, like wherewithal to kind of figure out, okay, where is this coming from? How can I create safety in my body to hold it in the first place instead of dumping it or repressing it so that I can figure out what this message is here to teach me? Because talking with someone recently who described feelings as visitors who come to the door unexpectedly and either we can freak out and slam the door in their face or we can like welcome them in and like bake them cookies and sit with them and then be like okay well I'm ready for you to leave now <laughs> you know and have yeah. this like beautiful relationship with them instead of feeling really unsafe but unfortunately I think a lot of us are taught when we're kids that feelings aren't safe and you know there's no healthy way to express your feelings and that just couldn't be farther from the truth I totally agree with what you said. I feel like most of the times that I've been triggered, especially as I've gotten older and I've learned how to hold emotions more within my body and accept them. Because for me, it was more repression. As you know, I'm like more of a stuffer. I don't really explode ever. <laughs> I'm more of like, oh, like sweep this under the rug, which is like not any better by any means. It's just the other end of the extreme. But as I've gotten older and I've, I've allowed myself to grow and hold sensation within my body, like 90% of the time I'm able to be like, oh, I'm actually feeling this way and I'm triggered this way because, you know, growing up X, Y, Z. And so I attached meaning to what happened that actually had nothing to do with what happened. 
And then the Mm -hmm. 10% is like, okay, we can talk to the person about the thing, but we can come to them from a place of like hold self-holding and not like emotional dumping so that they on the other end and aren't like, oh my gosh, like I'm being attacked. Yeah. Yeah. And because when you feel that anxiety, you know, maybe the other person's gone, maybe they're out with their Mm -hmm. friends and they Mm -hmm. haven't checked in or maybe, you know, yeah, you just haven't heard from them for a little bit and they're at work, something very simple like that. You might feel that you need that person in that moment, but you don't, you Mm -hmm. don't need that person in that moment. And yeah, I mean, it's just important to come back to yourself. And, and I think that's really beautiful what you said that, yeah, a lot of the times it's not even about what that person needs to do for you. It's just about what is that feeling invoking inside of you and where did that come from and what exactly is below all of, all of those layers. Yeah, I completely agree. And to not react from that. That's what I had. I was trying to think, I was like, what was I going to (laughs) say? You don't want to react from that anxious feeling because you will not get, it will not be well-received and never Mm. is well-received. I wouldn't receive that very well. You know, I Mm. I would, you know, be, it would be uncomfortable for anybody. Mm. And so it's going to be better received when you can hold those sensations in your body, kind of lean into them, be with them for a while. Mm. And then you can respond from that place, that grounded place that is much more calm, stable, and, you know, in control. Yeah, totally. So along the same line of what we're talking about, I would love if you could give us, my goal is five. If we can't hit five, that's okay. Five self-soothing strategies that are just like you could do at any moment. And you've told me a lot of the ones that I personally use. So you're like what your five top favorite self-soothing strategies are for those moments where you are feeling dysregulated and you want to like maybe come unglued or you want to repress to allow your body Mm -hmm. to kind of feel safer to be with the emotions. Yeah. First things first, I always recommend is actually, it sounds really simple, but going for a walk. Mm -hmm. So typically when we're really anxious, we need to move. We need to get up and move our body. We need to kind of distract, go down a different way in a healthy way where you're walking. Walking has Mm -hmm. so many benefits. It helps you breathe deeper. Mm -hmm. It helps you, you know, it circulates your body in a much more healthier way. Mm -hmm. And the second thing would be to take deep breaths. So while you're walking, You want to be really cognizant that you're not holding your breath up in your shoulders up here, but you're breathing with ease down to your belly because your breath is directly linked to your emotional state. So if you can breathe deeply, it will signal to your body that you are okay and that you are safe and that you are grounded. You can really focus on a longer exhale. Then, so take an inhale for like four seconds and exhale for six to eight seconds. And that will automatically signal to your body to go into more of a calm state. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I really like when you're in a heightened anxious state is to take an ice cube or an ice roller and just Mm -hmm. like rub circles on your chest. That really just that cold exposure also helps engage the relaxation state in your body. Um, you can also, one, one thing that I really like to do is like take your finger and massage your ears. So this space, if you can see on, on YouTube, I'm massaging the space just where 
um, below where your ear folds at the very top and like above that cartilage and just do like little circles a few each way and that actually you want to do both ears that stimulates your relaxation mode in your body I feel like a little puppy. Um, I'm like rubbing my own ear. Yeah, it's really relaxing. And and sometimes you can even kind of just like massage your whole like cartilage on the side, even your earlobe. There's a lot of amazing sensory nerve endings in our ears that can help us relax. And then number five, I would say to take care of your physical needs. So when we are in a state of anxiousness, we often forget about our cues of hunger, our need for sleep. Sometimes we can even forget about like taking a shower and hygiene and brushing your teeth. So as simple as it sounds, cooking a good meal for yourself and really treating yourself to a nice nourishing meal, taking a shower, cleaning up around your house, just really taking care of yourself and not losing sight of that when you're in that anxious spiral can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. I love that last one. I feel like that's something that I think about almost every day because it sounds so simple, but it's so easy to forget. Like most of the time that I know we always like joke about this, but like most of the time that I'm feeling anxious, like I literally just need a snack or like electrolytes you know, like just Mm -hmm. basic, like human needs, like either I'm dehydrated or I just need some food and my blood sugar is like imbalanced. Those are like the most two common things when I have anxious feelings. Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay. So I have some little rapid fire questions for you. Yes. (laughs) I'm excited. Um, what is something that you're very into right now? Could be anything, could be a wellness trend, could be a book, could be anything. Hmm. Yeah, I would say working out in accordance with my cycles. Let's go. Oh my gosh. Yeah. In my early 20s, I would like do a Barry's boot camp class on the first day of my lead. And I cannot even (laughs) believe that I used to do that. And now it's like everything is just so much better. My hormones are more balanced. And I just feel like such a better person. I think Mm -hmm. like, the last few years, it took some time because I I really did. It it, it probably honestly took like a good four years for me to fully be like, okay, I'm doing this because I used to just like love the feeling of those high intensity workouts. But then I just realized that I would do that workout and then it would put me out for like two weeks. So now I just, I love working out according to where I'm at my cycle. Um, I'm in luteal right now. So I'm just going to go for a walk later and it's just, it's, yeah, it's so beautiful to love that work out on brand with restoring Eve. Love. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next question. I like to say it as what is your 10%. So I always encourage my clients to live like a 90, 10 life, right? Like 90% of what you're consuming, mm-hmm. whether energetically, physically with food, whatever is like super aligned and stepping you towards your future self. But 10% is just like, live your life, have fun. Like have your guilty pleasures. So what is one of your guilty pleasures or two? (laughs) Mm, I would say, yeah, I would say carving out a solid like 15 minutes at the end of the day to like get in some TikTok videos. I do (laughs) love TikTok. I love that. But I feel like we've talked about it before. Sometimes it's just not the vibe. It's a little bit negative. And I feel like the Mm -hmm. stuff that comes up on my For You page, I'm just like, why is this up here? (laughs) So I go to TikTok and I just go to like the couple of people that I like and I 
watch their stuff. And I would also add my second guilty pleasure is kombucha, which I know like some people might say it's pretty healthy but for me personally it has a little too much like sugar in it but I'm like hey every once in a while I love to have a yummy kombucha and just really enjoy it so oh my gosh yes we are like queens (laughs) of like the hot girl bev we like invented the hot girl bev like every (laughs) single time I go to the grocery store I feel like I get some sort of like drink like yeah it's just a thing I literally can't go without it and then I always tell Courtney but like in the morning I make like I make like three beverages right when I wake up for my day and then at the end of the day my desk is just like so many like cups and mugs (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so many beverages so many beverages okay my next question what is a nervous system myth that you want to debunk so it can be something in the coaching industry it could be anything, but what is something that you feel like people are talking about that is like such BS and we just want to call it out right now? Oh, yes. I have a lot. <laughs> but <laughs> I would say my biggest thing is that that one day when you work on yourself, I'm doing air quotes, work on yourself, <laughs> you get to the point where you just don't really feel a whole lot of triggers and that you like are solid, that you just like, nothing really bothers you. You don't have as many triggers. And that is a complete lie that is very avoidant in my Mm -hmm. opinion. And unfortunately, I feel like that is a way to get money in the industry. And yes, absolutely. Marketing. Yeah, it's marketing. And it's really, it's, it's sad to see that um, that is being marketed to people because at the end of the day, you will, we're human. This is the human experience. We are meant Mm. to experience ups and downs. We should want to feel our sadness, our grief, our anger. Mm. We want to feel that just as much as we want to feel the joy, the excitement of life. Mm. And so the goal is never to not get triggered. You still will get triggered, but the goal is to make the decision to be with yourself while you are triggered and not react from those triggers. You will get to a point where maybe those triggers might be as strong as they once were, but you will not just like magically not get triggered if something really big or scary happens in your life. So I'm here to validate you that it is very normal to have those feelings of ups and downs throughout the day. And if anybody tells you that they don't, they're either being very avoidant or they are lying to you and they they want your money. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's very important one. to be discerning of who you're taking information mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I heard recently someone talking about the way we like can, can hold our emotions within our body. And she described it as like our capacity to hold the more like negative doing air quotes emotions increases our capacity as well to hold positive emotions. Like And again, I'm doing air quotes because I'm like, there's no such thing as negative and positive emotions. But I just mean like the lows of life, like oftentimes people who have experienced the most sadness and the most most grief have almost a greater capacity to hold more joy and pleasure and love. Um, Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Because we have a full range of emotions Mm -hmm. and just as scary as it can be to hold those maybe more difficult emotions. Mm-hmm. It can also be very scary to hold the lighter, more, mm-hmm. um, you know, emotions. And so, yeah, when you give yourself permission to feel some of those lower, darker 
feelings, you also give yourself the space to feel some of those like higher emotions that you want to feel. But if you're kind of like in the middle, shutting off either side, you know, you're not going to give yourself the joy of life of feeling it all. Mm -hmm. I know I'm like not really doing rapid fire anymore, but I want to like go back to kind of what you said as far as people not being able to hold even like the lighter emotions. I feel like I hear that with my clients so much of like, even with their health journey of like, okay, we've made so much progress and they're like, okay, but like, let's do this. And it's sometimes it's just like, no, like we just need to sit for a second and celebrate like your body's capacity to heal or whatever the positive thing is. Like, I mean, I noticed this is when I, within my own business, like you and I've talked about recently, um, like growth, like my business has grown a lot recently and I still am like, oh, but I want to be there, you know, like, oh, but like, I want to do that next. And instead yeah. like remembering to celebrate and sit with like the positive like uplifting like things. I guarantee everyone listening has something in their life right now that they longed for not that long ago with like everything in their being. And now that you have it, it's like, okay, but like, I want this or, you know, it could be better. And I think that's just, you know, we're all just humans at the end of the day, but learning also how to hold within your body, the celebration of life and the gratitude for life. Yeah, absolutely. And giving yourself permission to actually celebrate yourself to mm-hmm. to have joy for those moments right exactly yeah. okay last rapid fire question that's not you know not really rapid fire if women were going to change one thing about the way that they relate to their nervous system what would it be mm, yeah so I would say that having the idea that like what you said earlier, that emotions are not positive or negative. All Mm -hmm. of our emotions are neutral. Mm -hmm. They are just giving us information on how things are in our life. So when your body is maybe flooded with some sensation, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes people can experience like a stomach ache because they're really excited about something, Mm -hmm. but you might also have a stomach ache when you're a little bit anxious about something. So all of this is just feedback and really getting comfortable with connecting to that sensation Mm -hmm. in your body is the most important thing that you can do when it comes to finding regulation in your body and and healing your nervous system. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I love that. Such a good reminder. What an amazing call. I feel like there's so many goodies in here that women can walk away with and start integrating right now for free, which is one of the most special things to remember in the wellness industry is like, there's so much that we can just be doing within our own bodies and just utilizing our bodies better. Like God has given us so much and with so much of what we need is already within us. Yeah. Oh, it was so nice to be here with you. Yes. I loved every second. I'm sure we'll, yeah, I was just going to say that. I'm like, there will be a part two with Courtney. Um, but I want to close with where can everyone find you? How are you offering to work with people right now? How can people work with you? Just all the tea. Yeah. So my Instagram name is her.body.wisdom and Um, yeah, so I currently work with women one-on-one in my private therapeutic mentoring program, and I'm currently enrolling clients in that. And then I'm also going to be starting a 
self-paced course here in a few weeks that's all about regulating your nervous system to support your relationship. So this actually would be perfect for the women who identify with feeling more anxiously attached because this mm -hmm. course will really help you learn to regulate your nervous system and feel that sense of ease within yourself so that you don't have to grip on to your significant other to help you soothe. So yeah, Amazing. that's really going to help so that. many people. I'm so excited for you and for all yeah. the, all the women who will get to have their relationships really transformed. Yes. Yeah. It'll be good. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. If today's episode served you, please share it on social media and leave a review. I would love to hear from you on Instagram at restoring.eve or head to my website, restoringeve.com to connect and apply to work with me. Until next time, I'm Rachel Nichols, and this is Restoring Eve.